podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hello and welcome to this gameplay podcast. On this one, we focus on underused buttons, tactics, icons, and whether I should bench Ronaldo. I'm your host, Ben, and you'll hear all that and more on this week's Foot Weekly podcast out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, and made possible by the pod's patron supporters. Hello and welcome to week 12. It's a gameplay podcast, and I have a familiar group of guests. We have not too much time and a lot to talk about, so we will go through the intros very quickly, as pretty much always, we have foot YouTube legend, Air Japes FIFA. Hello, Japes. Hello, Ben. And we also have uh, Matt Foot Trading, known for his trading perhaps, but also an expert foot player, elite division, etc. Hello, Matt. Thank you very much, Ben. A glowing introduction. Uh, excited to talk <laughs> gameplay with you all today. Yeah, yeah, I always introduce Japes as being you know, a regular and always on the podcast, never that he's also good at gameplay too, so I should say that. And we also have with us another very good player too, Richard Buckley, um, of course, esports commentator. We'll talk a little bit about that, no doubt. Hello, Richard. Thank you very much for having me back, Ben. Uh, great to be back on another gameplay pod. Yeah, it's always interesting to get your gameplay insights based on what you've seen in the pros and what we can take away from it. It must be, what, first live event recently in quite some time? Yeah, so the first uh, the, the first event that I've on LAN where I've travelled away to actually commentate uh, in two years now, it was over in Budapest, Hungary, and it was the, basically it was called the V4 Future Sports Festival, a celebration uh, of a tournament where they had one pro player from a nation within sort of the Baltic region, so Croatia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Hungary, Czech Republic, and three more countries. I can't remember them right now. And it was a pro player and then an influencer. So uh, Obola TV, Ovi was there from Romania, mm. and they were partnered with a pro player. So it was all 2v2. So and sort of the, the big takeaways was how, at the moment, easy it was to keep the ball in 2v2. I think that potentially might get addressed further down the line um we've got a big 2v2 qualifier coming up next week or the week when this is getting recorded uh the 10th through the 13th uh that'll be on ea's uh, live channels i think that's the second time you can actually get a token as well mm -hmm. that's gonna be a, a really good event 2v2 uh, a lot of time first people have gonna seen 2v2 on fifa 22 not very high scoring games but it's so much more entertaining because yeah. the the level of mistake is so much higher like I actually think what we were watching, the skill level was so much more as well because that one mistake when you're playing 1v1, you've got a lot more AI. Like As soon as you pull the defender out of position, you were getting scored on. And it was the levels were a lot better in the 2v2. So I'm looking forward to seeing what like the real top-end pros, two pros together, can mm. do this upcoming weekend. And is it easier to keep the ball in 2v2 because you can't second-man press, is that right? Yes, no second-man press. Uh, okay. You've got to manually do it, yeah. So the switch apply was was quite strong uh, from fullback to fullback. Yeah, in saying that, I think a lot of people I've spoken to who've done quite a bit of carp have said that it's by far the best thing they've done in foot uh, in terms of enjoyment. And I mean, you know, people love pro clubs. It's 
almost, but not quite like that. And you can progress, you know, you can go through rivals, you can complete objectives. So you're not wasting time by doing co-op like was the case at the very start of co-op being introduced. So I would encourage people to pick it up. And, you know, if you know someone around your skill level in your region as well, that could be a great opportunity, for example, with icon swaps. It may only be the squad battles ones, not the online ones, but you could uh, team up with a co-op partner and use their team if you haven't built that team yourself. And it should still count towards those objectives, um, which would be great and obviously uh, give you an advantage, actually. So worth giving a go, not just because it's fun, but because potentially you could get something out of it you wouldn't be able to otherwise as well. But it is now time to move on to more gameplay chat. And that starts with some player reviews. We've done our pound for pound powerhouses for this week on the supporter episode, which is the content pod this week. If you are a supporter, do head over and check that out. And of course, if you're not and you fancy supporting, you can just search Foot Weekly Patron, find that episode, sign up quick and easily. But for now, we will do some reviews which aren't necessarily the best value, but just players we think people might find interesting to hear about. First of all, Japes, I know you've changed things up using a three at the back, which is definitely interesting. Any particular notable players in there? Yeah, I'm, I'll am i give like an odd quick shout out to an icon that I think is maybe a little overlooked, but has been a, mm. a monster, for like a surprising monster for me in like a variety of different ways. And the 3-5-2 is a, my uh, right defensive midfielder, and that's the 90-rated uh, Andrea Pirlo. Oh, okay. Tossed a shadow on him. You look at his stats defensively, and you're like, nah. Look at his aggression and his strength, and you're like, nah. He's really, really good. Mm. And is like also has the ability to make some like wild transition passes over the top to your you know flashback Benzema type players or those big crossfield switches and I've got him paired with uh just the gold Marcus Llorente who's more of like a you know I would call him more of a destroyer type mm. the way I use him at least even though he is no slouch going forward either but you know Pirlo at around I think it was maybe in the high threes when I picked him up maybe low fours I think he's probably hanging out around there just truly such a fun card mm. like really just one of those enjoyable enjoyable players to use yeah yeah no that's a good shout people always really like him it's like one of those players that people will get in i don't know a base icon pack or a mid icon and will say oh actually i didn't expect him to be any good particularly but he's really really good um and i've really enjoyed him so yeah a good shout and let's move on to you matt anyone particularly you've used of late uh they'll be first owner of course so uh, a limited pool interesting yeah they certainly are um it's another icon actually and it's that uh base philip lam that i got from a base icon ah, okay nice yeah. i think i actually recall we were talking about yeah, base we icon were, packs yeah. ages ago and i mentioned philip lam and i got him and i used him a little bit as cdm and he wasn't really doing as well as i'd hoped but i play him now right mid in a three five two and it has just absolutely changed the game for me. Mm. I play, so yeah, I play a 3-5-2. I get my wingers quite high up the pitch. I do have, have them on come back on the fence, but I have them on getting behind and cut inside as well. So they always say they'll stay quite high and close to the strikers. Mm. And he's been insane. He's been so good for me. His passing is so, so good. Those little driven passes that you can do from you know out on the wing to either cut it back to the edge of the box or to drive it into the strikers um to get 1v1 it's it's changed the it's changed the way I've been playing um and he's been really good his crossing's been fantastic um I've used I think I used a powerhouse on him um actually so Japes would love that Ooh. but uh yeah really really good for me 
Uh, really good defensively, really agile, really quick. So uh, he's been a little standout for me and uh, someone that I've been using. Nice. And uh, Richard, I don't know how much FIFA you've got in over the last few weeks with how busy you've been, but if you have, is there anyone you'd like to mention? So obviously I'm, I've been quite icon heavy with my team recently, but a player who every time I take him out of the squad since I packed him on tradable, I've had to put back in and <laughs> it sort of goes against everything I stand for because he shouldn't, be as good as he is like he's only got a two-star weak foot but it's the numbers up Di Maria he's electric on the wing like he's so so quick his finesse shot is unbelievable um he feels really nice on the ball as well and with I think it's the end of December they get the first boost or the second boost technically he's gonna go up to 95 pace I think it is Mm, alongside a couple of other other stats increment going up probably by one or two and like he's going to be really, really solid. And look, the two-star weak foot does let him down, but he, he can get back on with the five-star skills onto his left foot really comfortably. Mm. He's a player that I didn't think I would enjoy, but I, I've really liked him being in the team. Nice. What chem style do you have on him, actually? I think I've just slapped a hunter on him. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I was looking at stats, actually, if he's an attacking player. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, decent defensive stats and aggression on him, as always, which is is nice. Cool. All right. Well, that's a good one. I'll just mention, because he is a player from the recent Team of the Group stage squad, that Thiago Jarlo, who's a Portuguese centre-back, plays for Lille, so has that perfect link to Renato Sanchez. He's 85 rated. And... There's been a bit of disagreement. I've seen some people, especially pros, saying that he you know, maybe isn't as good as they expected, things like that. And actually, I don't know who they were using before because I think that would make a difference. If you look at his stats, they look phenomenal in, in many ways. You know, he's got uh, 95 acceleration, 98 sprint speed with a shadow, 95 interceptions, 96 stand tackle, 95 strength, 84 aggression. He's six foot three, high defensive work rate, medium attacking. Um, he's not cheap. I mean, it's about 300k. Um, but he's also got 84 agility, 88 reactions. He's good on the ball, 84 composure. I found he felt very good on the ball, 85 short passing. But the big stat that does make a difference, and I think might be the reason why I say pros aren't particularly impressed, is he does have 89 defensive awareness, which, although strong, is not... The shuffle stat. Yeah, exactly. And that is an important stat, a very important stat. So he's going to get caught out at times because of that. But I found... It really nice going from, I think I was using Marquinhos to him and just that increase in pace, strength, even if he might not position himself quite as perfectly as as Marquinhos did, he can easily compensate. He is just a a really smooth defender. He seemed to block everything, as many centre-backs do, but also just got to the ball in terms of tackling way better than many players I'd, I'd used. And having that pace against through balls is just so, so nice and not really something that I'd necessarily had so far. And uh, I think 300k is a lot. And I did sell him because I think he might drop throughout this week. But he is so much better, to be honest, than Marquinhos. I probably will look to get him back. And Ben, why are you using so many PSG players? (laughs) I I know. It's because I got the untradable Marquinhos. I know. I got untradable Marquinhos and and it all fell apart from there. Um, yet you're and, removing yet you're removing him from the squad and you still are talking about yeah. a league on side. I know. Well, it's only the uh, goalkeeper and two center backs because it made sense at the time, but yeah, not happy about it. It's only it, a know. matter of time before Mbappe's in, don't get yourself. Well, insane now, obviously, with that stupidly good untradable luck of having Croy from Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, I actually think that uh, he probably won't be getting in. 
But that said, I did want to say, I know it's getting to that point where people may be building up the coins to get someone like Ronaldo, for example. I honestly probably wouldn't. Yes, he might fit in your team. And if you're looking for that particular profile of player, potentially you do just want to go for it and give him a go. And I wouldn't knock anyone for trying him. But the thing is, with the way Kemstars work and his limitations as he's got older, he just doesn't quite have that X factor that he once had. The engine chem style is really the go-to with him. I, I don't think there are actually that many other options that really work. I've tried loads of different ones. And he feels, yes, fast, but not that fast. Most centre-backs are going to catch him because they've got pretty similar pace um, to him if they've got a shadow on them. And he doesn't feel that strong and his aggression is quite low anyway. So boosting his uh, physical isn't going to help hugely. I actually found Architect kind of decent, huge passing boost there and very good strength boost. But his shooting doesn't need a boost. But the other stats just don't quite boost in a way that necessarily is going to help. And I was feeling this before getting Cruyff. This isn't just, oh, Cruyff's amazing because he is phenomenal actually. Cruyff is, is just a different level and his price reflects that obviously. But the Ronaldo didn't really do it for me in recent weeks in the same way that Cruyff has now he's come in and I just think honestly apart from the shooting some skills here and there I haven't found him the most fun to use uh, if someone said to me you're not allowed to use Ronaldo for the rest of the game or you're not allowed to use Tecatito Corona for the rest of the game Cristiano you're going into that gold upgrade I have to be honest it sounds mad but particularly playing a false nine I think it might be time for him to take up a spot on the bench I know obviously I've been pretty lucky and that helps the decision, but I think people who've played against him a lot may also recognise that he isn't what he has been in past FIFAs. That being said, no harm in trying apart from a bit of lost tax. And if you do try him, let me know what you think, what chem style you used. Um, I'll talk more about the false nine actually because we have plenty of questions about it. A lot of people are really enjoying it, which is great to hear later on in the pod. And for now though, I want to know, Japes, about your 3-5-2. You've just started playing. Um, what's the thinking behind that? How are you finding it? I think I just, I decided I was kind of like bored of playing four back formations. Like I love three, I just have a soft spot for for three backs and obviously the three, five, mm. two, I've got a, a lot of history with. Mm. Was it Belgian league silvers or something? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Once upon a time, you know, that was, that was kind of my jam. And, you know, I have, I have since, I suppose, changed a little bit of, you know, how I, how I play. It depends on the way my opponent's playing. I have two different tactics. I have a press on heavy touch and, uh, was it fast buildup with both of them are direct passing. And then I have a press after possession loss with balance, um, balanced attack. So I think the, the big thing for me here is I've dropped my depth down to 45 and, mm. uh, that has made a, I don't, I don't think it's made like necessarily it makes a difference, but it just seems to like for the three, five, two, it just seems to sit nicer. I could never play that deep of a depth with a four back. And I don't know why it just didn't work as well, but the three, five, two, it seems to work. And I think the other key thing that I, I really like is I put my outside CBs on overlap and step up and I leave my central mm -hmm. CB on, you know, stay back and stick to position. And so do they actually come forward? Yeah, they come a little bit forward. It helps a lot with possession hmm. and it also helps create like, how do I describe it? It it allows you to play aggressive defensively because you always have one of your outside CBs like kind of trying to make a tackler get in the mix and you still have then your central CB that's like dropping in if they're going for that hopeful kind of like over the top ball. You have somebody big there that can clean it up. 
So, mm. you know, nothing nothing too crazy. You know, LM, RM just come back. CDMs, I think, are stay back passing lane and everybody else, else I think I just have on stay forward and balanced for the two strikers and Cam. Maybe I have one of them. I think I might have Benzema and getting behind mm. just because I love playing this, you know, Pirlo I have as my uh, RDM or as one of my CDMs and he can sort of play this over the top through ball to Benzema if you're on the fast build-up tactic and catch people sometimes, which is kind of fun. Mm. But that's been, you know, it was it was good for me this weekend. I think I finished at rank three, but I could have easily gotten rank one. Like, I didn't play all my games. Mm. So I think I maybe lost one game with it, and it was a game where I had, like, six expected goals to, like, two. So it was just kind of mm. a, a FIFA one game, if you will. Yeah, but it's been it's been fun. It's been a nice change of pace. I initially tried playing a, a 3-4-2-1, and I just felt like it wasn't quite as balanced as I wanted it to be. So 3-5-2 is super, super well-balanced, and I don't think it's... Uh, formationally like truly weak against any specific formation i think you could sort of like adapt it mm. um which is kind of fun and nice yeah yeah but i know you've been playing it a lot but in past years i think the kind of 442 ta- style tactics maybe 4222 were extremely difficult to play against in three at the backs but actually it just feels this year maybe with the defensive positioning less of a threat and, and less like a kind of complete no go yeah definitely i still struggle a little bit against People that play like really, really top players that play the four four two and have, you know, very, very strong attackers out wide. You know, some people if they put like Mbappe out wide, for example, he is very, very, very difficult to handle, um, especially on those counter attacks. But yeah, if you can just defend that initial breakaway with a three five two, you know, I've got my wide mids on comeback on defense and conservative interceptions, so they they get back into position really quickly. And yeah, once you get that. That defensive shape in a three-five-two it is really, really difficult to to play through. Mm. A lot of the goals I'll concede will be just you know those those counter-attack goals that you know if someone's got a really, really top-end pacey attacker up top like your Mbappe's, then yeah, you can get caught out every once in a while. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, easier to defend than uh, previous years, I think, with those four-four-twos and four-triple-twos. Yeah, yeah. And Richard, are you still playing your four-three-two-one, your favoured setup, or have you? Switch to something different. I've sort of been dabbling. Um, I had a few games this weekend with the, the dabble, the dabble <laughs> with the four-five-one second variation. Mm. So with the oh, three okay. centre mids, yeah. the wide right mid, left mid, then the the one solo striker, and um, I I actually quite enjoyed it. If anybody has played pro clubs in any sort of like competitive setting, you'll know the only way really of scoring on pro clubs is you pass the ball from the right all the way to the left on the extra pass and just shoot with the the left footer player at the back post who's always got the sort of the extra pass, the extra man. And the four-five-one second variation, I was finding these patterns of play very easily, going from like left mid, left centre mid, centre mid, right centre mid, and then whoever it was on the wing, just to easy shoot across goal. So what I was doing was putting Di Maria on the left, so he was able to shoot first time across goal with his left foot, and then Neymar on the right as the right foot, like he can shoot on either side, but as my right mid, and I, I were enjoying it to be honest. Mm. It, it felt, I think, with a bit of tweaking. I know there's a couple of pros who go into that four-five-one second variation to keep possession. Nicholas, the Argentine, uh, mm. one of the best FIFA players to have ever played, he goes into that when he's winning games just to keep hold of the ball. There's a lot of triangles that open up. There's a lot of room to be able to mm. sort of uh, play really nice passes. And I think it could be a formation that 
I'm not going to say he's going to get meta or be meta by any stretch of the imagination, but it's something that if you feel comfortable with it, I think you can definitely compete with all the formations. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really good. Three in midfield, I think, is, is really strong this year. I'm liking it a lot. And let's take a break there. Uh, in that break, there's an exciting announcement. And that is that there is 24,000 FIFA points being given away on the supporter feed. Yes, it is that time of the year, a time for giving. And the pod is giving back to the supporters who've given so much to keep this podcast going. So if you are a supporter, do enter that. And if you are not, then perhaps you'll consider becoming a supporter. It's just £3 a month. You get double the podcast content, as I always say. It's super quick and easy to sign up. You can stop at any time. And the best time to sign up is early in the month. So you can head over, you can enter that giveaway, potentially win what is the equivalent of supporting the pod for two years in the form of FIFA points or a voucher. And of course, you're guaranteed to be getting the extra podcast every week and at the higher tiers, things like support a Discord with the Tactic Bank, etc., just search for Weekly Patron or you can go directly to the giveaway bit.ly slash podxmas22. So that's bit.ly slash podxmas22. Thank you very much if you consider doing that. While ads like I'm about to read next might help a bit, they don't make the podcast sustainable and make it possible to do two podcasts every week, which has been amazing. So a huge thank you to those patron supporters for making that possible. As promised, though, a quick reminder about LinkedIn. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing a business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get the candidates worth interviewing faster. And it's free. Having been involved in hiring various small businesses over the years, I can't understate how effective and helpful this would have been and how easy it is to use as well. If you'd like to give it a go, create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the UK. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need. Use screening options to get your role in front of only the most qualified people then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster and you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com forward slash foot. Again, that's linkedin.com forward slash F-U-T to post a job for free. Right, let's get back into the pod. Hello, welcome back to part two. Plenty more gameplay tips to come. And we start with a question here from Neil D. How do you guys feel about simplifying tactics to get out of a slump? I've been struggling through qualifying and usually need all nine games to get in. And in champs proper, I've been lucky to get eight wins. I'm convinced it's because the tactics I've been using either don't fit my players or ask too much of them instructions wise. Can too many instructions counteract each other? Would switching to a more balanced setup help me get some form back? And then he was also asking if having multiple tactical setups for one team can be detrimental. You know, if you have a couple of different formations because you end up with players playing in slightly weird positions, they don't completely fit. Um, I often blame the tactic that I'm using if I go behind and start switching to different ones. And I think his second point there about different tactical setups, I think it's a very good point. There's no point in playing different tactical setups if you're putting your players in positions that they're not going to play well in. You're probably better off tweaking the tactic that you have in different ways and also yes if you switch constantly to different tactics because you're losing and it's only one goal then that's definitely a bad idea i think that can be hugely problematic you need to keep trying with the current setup at least for a bit after you go behind i think uh, unless you're 100 percent sure that it's going to make a difference um but just going back to his point about uh whether too many instructions are an issue or 
overcomplicating tactics. Is that something you found, Japes, that sometimes you'll put a load of instructions on and realize that it's not really going to help? Mm, uh, there's some instructions that I find like I just sort of like put on pretty consistently. But yeah, there look, there are, you can definitely get yourself in trouble. I think I think and I think the easiest example that I see of this is when people have their and and I suppose it works for some but I often find that I get caught out in this instance every time that I try to add attacking fullbacks but maybe have left my CDM or CM or whatever on cover center and not put them on like cover wing like Mm. it's a problem because nobody is out wide to like prevent or to cover for that fullback that's gone forward so I mean I, I tend to stick with balance and I try to like see I think I like balance because I like to see what the players default movement is to begin with and then try to like correct what I would want them to do mm. via instructions after the fact. I think that makes a lot of sense and one warning that I've made to people is the getting behind instruction can be a real problem I think if you have it on too many players or uh, sometimes people with wingers will put getting behind on almost by default and I often think that can be a real issue. You can cut down the passing options you would have had quite significantly. And players will still go in behind, definitely, if the space is there. And if you put on a tactic like, I don't know, uh, forward runs or, or one of those, then those players are going to be making runs as if they're on getting behind anyway, to be honest. And even though I play possession, don't have any of the uh, wingers on uh, getting behind, my wide players will still make those runs into those areas. And of course, if you don't see them making the run, you can always tap L1 or LB to manually trigger them to, to make the run forward. So that is worth bearing in mind. Uh, Matt, anything on instructions yourself? I actually saw quite an interesting tweet. I think it was from one of the, um, the guys at SAF. And they were talking about like a new custom tactic they were using. And I can't remember if it was uh, Cal or one of the pros. But they they said, oh, yeah, like I'm, I've... I was, uh, you know, making this new custom tactic, like made it from scratch, yada, yada, yada. They said, oh yeah, I've had brilliant success with it. And then they realized they were actually playing their, just their standard formation, like as you set up for in the squad screen with zero instructions applied. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. As in, so they accidentally ended up playing with that for yeah, a while. Yeah, they, they, they accidentally made a tactic as in, you know, they set it to like their attacking tactic. Um, but they actually ended up playing the completely stand. I think it was like a completely basic, like four four two or something, um, yeah. with zero instructions applied. And they found they were doing really well with it. So I do question whether it's sometimes placebo, in that mm. people think, oh yeah, you know, oh I've just I've got to change everything. Like, and it's just, people maybe start playing slightly different when they think they've got a new tactic applied. I don't know. Mm. So I'd, I'd be interested to try that out, to be honest, just trying out like a completely yeah. new formation with no instructions applied and just see if like you just play any differently. Not necessarily do the instructions make a difference, but does, you know, the mentality and, you know, uh, you know, almost tricking yourself into thinking you're, you're playing a different system. And does that sort of make you play sort of different patterns of, of playing in game? So here's the the other thing that I'll add to it uh, with the balanced instruction is that instruction gets more and more like useful and effective the higher rated the players that you have. Mm, yeah. Like I find I need instructions more when I'm playing with some like 
you know, base golds that have poor positioning stats or poor defensive awareness or what, you know, whatever it might be. Once you start to get up to kind of like those elite players, like just let them do their thing. Mm. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Richard, I know you've been a fan of going pretty balanced um, your whole foot career. Is that, I mean, I guess you'd say the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got my best ever finishes, whether it's on FIFA 22, when I went, I think it was 17 and three on champs and into the elite division comfortably about 1900 skill rating just balance 4-3-2-1 the only instruction or tactic I had on was my fullbacks on stay back or attacking everything else was 50-50 on the tactics two on the corners two on the free kicks all the sort of passing runs and chance creation was on balanced nothing changed but then recently uh, I think that was also when that was probably the f- before the first patch or maybe just that around the first patch Recently, I have found that I, I've been shipping a lot of goals. That's why I've been changing up with a few different formations and sort of just seeing how I can be a bit more stable defensively. When I've been playing rivals or playing champs, like my champs games are finishing like 7-4 like, or 6-5. Like I should not be conceding that many goals. And it's just through sheer attacking like dominance. Like I'm, I'm creating so many chances that I'm managing to get these wins. But I, I'm definitely trying to be more defensive and that's where I'm sort of going into the tactics now and seeing if I can maybe make things a little bit more compact defensively or pulling a few more players back and and helping me out. Yeah, and I think if the listeners are going to take something away from this, I'd definitely say is that thing of balanced isn't a bad thing to have on your players. I'd say if anything, it's probably the best thing. I would recommend only moving things to, you know, getting behind or to come short or to any of the other tactics if there is a problem with the way that player is moving for you or creating chances, in a way, it shouldn't really need a tactic because the AI, if they're a good player, as James was saying, that they're going to make those runs, they're going to choose the right spaces to move into by default. So you shouldn't need to do that. I think that is a really important point to make. The amount of times that I've had getting behind on and just felt like I'm not having enough passing options coming short and actually you basically only have one option, which is to play a through ball to them a lot of the time. So I think that is really important. I think it, I think it's worth noting that, so I've started toying around with the get-in behind instruction more on, I think I, I looked and I have it on both of my strikers and on stay forward as well. What I found is like, it create like I use it only on the two strikers in the three five two. definitely not on the outside players, but it I use it to sort of like create space for the cam and then you can always trigger people to come back to you with R1 or RB. Mm. So like if you're going to use that tactic, you need to be aware of the like R1 or RB control to have strikers like check to you if you don't like the run. like sometimes they just make dumb runs if you have that instruction on and if you don't like the run that they're making, you need to recognize that you can call them back to you. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a really good point because you can, of course, do the opposite to what I was saying. You know, you don't have to necessarily manually trigger the run forward. You can pull them back manually with the R1RB. It's actually something I noticed because some people asking for some gameplay clips of the false nine that I've been playing. And I actually realized that I was using the R1 slash RB quite a bit in that because mm-hmm. you have your left center mid, right center mid, go forward, get in the box. Uh, well, one of them's get in the box, the other one stay back. But they get, they pretty much both go in the box quite often, actually, and push forward, which is what you want. You want your forward center mids to to get involved and come between the right wing and and centre forward false nine. But what I realised is when I was out wide with the ball, quite often I would 
press R1 or RB because I want the centre mid to come towards me rather than just going straight into the box quite often because if they go into the box, it can be helpful. But if they go into the box and then come back out to you, they can often create space. So that R1, RB, I think is is a really good thing to remember as well. And again, it's all about, you know, yes, your instructions are important. But actually, the way you play and the way you manipulate uh, space in the game is probably more important and your players are going to make those runs themselves. And yeah, uh, I think that's a, a very well covered point, hopefully. and. Uh, Hopefully that helps. And Neil, I wanted to move on to something which I know is something that actually Richard, you'll know a lot about having seen, well, we'll all have seen it, but it's always interesting in the pro scene because I think this is more impacted than most. And that is uh, Mac and Marvel asking about kickoff goals. And he said he played a draft earlier and on the run to the final, I conceded three goals all from kickoff. At no other point in the game do I allow my opponents to dribble through my entire team. But so often from kickoff, my team seems to freeze my player switching doesn't work. I feel like sometimes it's one missed tackle and they are through. Uh, is this something you've seen, Richard? I think it is something that you often see more at a higher level. Yeah, I mean, it's all about how the team lines up, isn't it? It's uh, sometimes the team... I'm pretty sure there was like a scientific slash technical thing that somebody came out and said. I don't have it to hand, but they said you see more goals scored from the kickoff because of how the team lines up and there's the gaps in between the team uh so on and so forth like it's a it's a standing start almost mm. i will from kickoff as i have done for the last few years i'll always just play i'll try and spam off side trap from the start and make sure that the gap between defense midfield is shorter mm. so i'm pushing my team higher up the pitch also the lot of players if they need a quick goal they'll try and do the kickoff play it back to the center mid and then send the player on the run forward and just try and ping one over the top uh that is something that does happen mm. it's just one of those things like if you are if you know that you concede from kickoff it's then in your head that you concede from kickoff so it's like you put so much more emphasis on it if that makes sense yeah, yeah. a lot of it is internal i know that at the moment i've been terrible from sort of set pieces and corners in particular like the short corner where they play it short and then whip it in i move the keeper and then They'll cross it into a different area, and that's in my head at the moment. Like I, I struggle from those defensive set plays with kickoff. Yes, it does happen, but I don't think it happens to the frequency that people think it happens. If that makes sense, yeah, it's something that people look for because it's yes. talked about so much. And so when it happens to you, it's so blatant, like so so apparent that it's happened. But if you weren't, like, if you didn't know that. You know, people talked so much, I guess, about scoring from kickoffs, you probably wouldn't think too much about it. Yeah. I guess the other thing is it is a draft, and often you don't get the fastest center backs. They don't necessarily have the right chem styles. In my experience, I think those kind of situations where a player runs through your team is definitely more likely in draft than it is in other modes. But also, they did change something about kickoff about a year or two years ago because everyone was complaining about kickoff goals and actually you did see at the pro level there were quite a few kickoff goals you did, because yeah. as Richard was saying there's the standing start thing which I think is true and essentially what I think they did was basically slow down both teams so that you can tell there just isn't the same level of movement at the start when you kick off and what that means is I think and this is something I, they should probably look at is that when you trigger runs the defensive team doesn't track those runs as quickly as the runner moves or the player on the ball moves. So you can potentially see that being exploited. So while I think there is a much lower incidence of these than people think, it's definitely a concern for me. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on this? You were mentioning draft, and I think it's definitely a very good point. You know, 
I think in draft, it's far more likely to have better attackers than defenders. You're not necessarily always going to have 100 chemistry. You're going to have the weird chemistry styles, as you say. So I think the comment about it being apparent in draft is definitely a lot a lot more hmm. valid. When it comes to defending them, um, as bad as it may sound, I don't mind just, you know, doing the old Roy Keane meme. And if I feel like, you know... My players are struggling to get up to speed. I feel like there's a gap. Someone's running through with, you know, like an Mbappe or a Ginler or a Neymar. I'll smash into them. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'll quite happily take a yellow card. You know, you're not going to get, it's not like, uh, you know, the Premier League where it's three yellow cards and you're suspended. You know, it's, it, it's wiped after that game's over. So uh, don't be afraid to, uh, to take some yellow cards, take some fouls and uh, yeah, give up some free kicks, get your bodies behind the ball. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I wanted to move on to something that we haven't talked about because Richard hasn't been on the pod for a while. And that is player lock, which I always like to bring up because I know you in the past at least were using it. Um, I was wondering if you'd use it much this year, whether you'd seen pros using it. I've actually found that I have started player locking into the player who I want to make a run between the defenders. Um, If I've got a little bit of space with the player on the ball, I'll press the player lock buttons, flick to my forward, go in between the defenders, then adjust the run. Um, so it, it's a better angle. I'll request a through ball. And you know how through balls this year are semi-assisted? It feels like actually because you're doing a player lock through ball, that assistance is fully assisted and the accuracy of that f- through ball um, is, is really, really good. And I was thinking that's something that's worth mentioning. People may want to give that a go if they haven't. No, absolutely. I think player locks are, are, are viable uh, even even now. Um I was watching Gorilla play in sort of a one-off game uh, about two, three weeks ago. And I asked him, I said, why did you play a look? Uh, it was sort of like an open conversation where we were talking to the pros and they were answering live in game. And mm. he was in a, so it was down the right-hand side of the box, if you can imagine it. It was like a two against one. And he could have just cut it back for the sort of the, the sweaty goal, the cutback pass. And he play looked to the player and said, that pass is so much more accurate if it's a play lock mm. pass. So that what you're saying there about it being assisted, he said it's a lot less error when I'm in that position and from what he's been playing, going to the play lock, quickly switching to the player. You can also, the AI's got a really weird thing of sprinting past the play, like just yeah. continuing the run into the box. He said just quick player lock, you pull the player back, offer up the position, then you've got an easy one-on-one. Mm. So I've been using the player lock on the cutbacks and in that scenario as well, sort of, on the square pass and pulling the player into a better position. And the the other positive you get is if you play a lock and then your opponent bites on the, the, the player and sprints towards the player that you're going to pass to, all you need to do is just cancel the player lock, tap off, right, right and left stick in, and then you've got a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Mm, that's a really good shout. And actually, that was exactly what I was going to follow up with, was saying I've also found that I was struggling with the sweat, as people call it, you know, as you say, passing across the keeper to the other attacker and that pass being inaccurate, the player really not making the right run at all, being well out of position for that sweat pass. And actually by using player lock, it it takes some getting used to it. It's not easy to do. You might want to practice this um, in a less high pressure mode if, if that's what you're playing mostly. But it makes such a difference being able to do that. Just player lock request the pass, more accurate pass, your player's in a better position um, and it's just fantastic. We all know how goalkeepers can be a problem to beat at times and I think that can help massively in those situations. So although it seems a bit almost like having to think backwards when you first try it, 
and might not be super straightforward. Actually, once you get it, which shouldn't take too long, it isn't as much of a headache as you might think initially. I'm sure there are some great tutorials out there uh, just for getting the basic mechanics down. Um, just look up Player Lock uh, FIFA 22. I'm sure quite a few will come up. The other thing I'd just point people in the direction of, if they haven't caught it already, two weeks ago I talked about the false nine tactic. I put the tactic out on Twitter. It's gone down incredibly well. Loads of people saying it's sort of revolutionized the way they've been playing. It's really good for breaking down compact defenses, which you see so much. And uh, yeah, hundreds of likes on Twitter, which is really crazy for a tactic, to be honest. And I'm going to add some gameplay clips to Twitter because they have been often requested. So uh, if you haven't seen the tactic, you can head over to Twitter to check it out. And there'll also be gameplay clips if you are already using it and want a bit more info. So that'll be later in the week on at Foot Weekly Ben. But the other thing was, is I was going to answer some questions that people have sent in about that. But I'll do that after we have said goodbye to our guests because we've kept them for a while because uh, we were talking extensively about the leak situation around the upcoming promo, which you can hear on the supporter episode, which is the content podcast this week. Some interesting pound for pound suggestions and plenty of other content chat on there. And last week's gameplay pod, if this is the kind of podcast you like, was a supporter episode because it alternates between the two. So you could go over and listen to that one. You could listen to the back catalogue of gameplay podcasts. You can sign up. It's just £3 a month and you're supporting the podcast, keeping it going. And uh, it is greatly appreciated. Just search for weekly patron. And we will say our goodbyes. Matt, thank you very much for joining us on this pod. Thank you very much, Ben. And uh, yes, you can all find me uh, Twitter and Twitch, uh, just at Matt Foot Trading on both. Nice. Uh, that's where people can, of course, see that 352 gameplay as well. And Japes, thank you very much for joining us as always. A, a closing take home from this pod for you? Um, I, my point would be like... Uh, final gameplay point would be like if you have high rated players try putting them on balance mm. and see what happens yeah just not Ronaldo eh um, <laughs> so thank you very much Japes or at Air Japes appreciate you coming on cheers guys then to Richard thank you very much for coming on as well thank you very much uh, for getting me back involved and uh, you can follow me on social media at rbuckley98 my type is always do as many icon packs as your club can hold <laughs> uh, terrible advice to end on but uh, I love it right these three will head off I'm going to answer a couple of questions on that false nine tactic. I'm going to assume that you're already aware of the tactic if you're listening to this. Uh, if you're not, as I said, uh, do go check it out at Foot Weekly Ben. But this question here from Mac and Marvel actually covers quite a lot of the questions that have been asked, funnily enough, uh, since I put the tactic out. And it's mainly about midfield instructions, actually. The first thing he says is, if the opponent is playing a formation with a cam, do you take man mark off the CDM? And actually, I don't take it off because what I found is it makes your midfield, or at least your defensive midfield, are much more aggressive and able to win the ball back quickly and stop counterattacks. And because you have the four defensive players on stay back, the, the back four, sometimes one might come forward, but you should be perfectly capable of covering the counter. Otherwise, if that CDM man marking does go slightly out of position to man mark. So that's why I've been doing that. And he's also asking about the left centre mid, right centre mid instructions. And I think this is going to depend on the types of players you have. And actually, I didn't speak too much about the types of players in those positions. But what is important is that one of those players certainly is a very attacking player, has some defensive ability, maybe aggression or strength, but has the ability to go beyond the false nine player and the wide players and run into the spaces and beyond their defence. 
And for me, the player who's just worked perfectly there is definitely Bernardo Silva. He's been really good. I've actually also put the ball breakers, Tecatito Corona there, and he's been pretty good as well. And both of them have decent-ish stats in terms of defense, but they also have all right aggression as well, which helps, I think, quite a bit. Importantly, also they have the stamina because it's a very active role. Uh, but on the other side, I've often used Bruno Fernandes, actually. I think he's probably quite a good type of player. Very attacking in terms of his skill set, but doesn't need to necessarily be the most dynamic. Um, but he does have high, high work rate, which I think is really important. His defensive stats are pretty good, and that helps because it tends to be that the more attacking midfielder of the three doesn't have great defensive stats. So uh, that compensates somewhat in the defensive phase. I would also say the CDM is nice if they're high defensive, medium attacking, but I've actually used high, high more there and it seems to work pretty well. Um, that high defensive work rate is pretty important, but apart from that, uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about the attacking work rate. What I would uh, add here though is in terms of the instructions on the more advanced players, I think it is somewhat up to how those players move for you. You may want to adjust it. And get forward is really important because they are really fundamental to how you attack. Drift wide, I like a lot on one of them because what happens then is if the left centre mid has drift wide, the left wing happens to come inside, the left centre mid will often drift out there and will occupy the fullback, meaning the fullback doesn't come inside to mark the left winger. Doesn't always happen, but it does happen quite frequently. The drift wide centre mid will also help to maintain the width if that does happen, uh, which is really important in this formation, of course. The other more defensive centre mid does have to stay on the edge of the box, but just from crosses, that's the only situation it will impact. And that helps in terms of pulling the ball back and recycling. And they're on free roam, which means that that player will go to both sides of the pitch, which will happen with the other centre mid too. Um, but the idea is that they don't go quite as advanced as that other more advanced uh, centre mid would do. And the idea is that both those players are trying to support the wide players as much as possible if they aren't able to, you know, cut inside or beat the man to the byline. And yes, the R1 RB button can help, as I mentioned earlier, but you do want it to happen naturally. And feel free to tweak it. I think get forward is, is really the crucial part of this. And also uh, the other thing people noticed is players in the box. Uh, it's only on two. And that's basically because if your opponent has a lot of players back, having players going into the box and staying there really isn't what you want because you can't recycle possession so well. And it also helps to position the wide players wide and not have them continuously enter the box and congest the play. So that's the principle there. There are quite a few other questions actually that have been asked too, but hopefully I've covered the main ones. And if you have any more, do send them in and look out for some gameplay clips on my Twitter app for Weekly Ben. Great to see so many people enjoying it and hope they continue to do so. But for now, I'll say goodbye. Thank you very much to all you listeners for tuning in. Do subscribe if you haven't done so already via the various podcast platforms. Thank you very much to all you supporters keeping the podcast going and to those icon patrons. Dave B, DJ FIFA player, Coach Vass, Dougie, Chris W, Hugh J, Steve C, David S, Matt L, George, Alistair, Alan G, Anthony R, Dominic, Rob P, Pobius, L, Jeff B, Christopher R, Stephen F, Michael, Tom B, Damon H, Nick Jack M, Savage P, Eric T, Roger D, Dan W, Sila P, Matt H, Harry P, Neil P, Adam G, At Pace of a Tortoise, Brian S, Andrew C, Jake G, Michael P, Springford, Zach O, Dominic G, Ruben D, Kraus, Orion B, Mindor L, Jason O, 
and Stephen P. Plus a special thanks to Luke M, Dave B, Nick V, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Before I leave you though, just one more thing to add. FIFA is a bit like life really. It has its many ups and its many downs. And if you are having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice and support, or even just a chat available to anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, we'll catch you on the next podcast. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Sports Social Podcast Network.